Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to yet another player profile and projection brought to you by the Shea Station Pod. Guys, I'm Jolly. That's Jerry. And this is probably the most exciting one we've done in a while. We've kind of had to sift through the bullpen guys. No slack on them because they're great, but we got a we got a nice fun episode today. This is a good one for us. This is uh, Chris Bassett. This is the new guy in the rotation, our number three, the guy to slide in behind DeGrom and Scherzer and shore up this pitching rotation we have. He's new to the Mets. He's basically completely new to the NL East. Yep. Um, And it's exciting, man. He brings something that I'm excited to talk about. So this should be a fun one. Yeah, I mean, you know, we did our uh, trade reaction episode and obviously we were amped up and emotional. So we didn't get to really like dive into who Bassett is as a starting pitcher. It was more just, oh my God, it's happening. We got the third starter. We have a great rotation now. I think this PPP will be great to actually discuss why Bassett is such a good fit for the Mets and uh, what the future will hold with him in the blue and orange. But I mean, if you guys don't know already, he had a fantastic 2021, one of the best years of his career, 157 innings pitched, a 3.15 ERA, 1.05 whip, 27 games started, and a 9.1K per nine for those Oakland days that were really not far off a playoff berth last year. And then, of course, tore everything down. As sad as I am for Oakland A's fans, we were definitely a beneficiary of that. Yeah, he he also dealt with some injuries. He got that line drive that that hit him in the face. It was really devastating. He had that like, so he made the All Star team, and was cruising, had a, having a great year. Took a line drive off the face, um, broke a bone, had some surgery, but made it back in like five weeks. I couldn't believe it when it happened. Absolutely wild that this human came back and, and pitched uh, in that same season. But it shows you like he. His mentality, he still made 27 starts. Like, obviously, his numbers tailed off at the end because he just wasn't out there enough with the injury. But this guy had an amazing season, um, showed his, like, true heart, guts. Um, (laughs) He's an awesome person. Like, he's funny. He's an Ohioan like myself. Um, So I love that. And he just, like, legitimate sadness out of the Oakland A's camp to have this guy leave just because of his presence. This guy is hilarious. He's a, he's like a very left-handed, right-handed pitcher. Just mm. just completely off the wall, but fun. Uh, just a great addition to this team. I'm, I'm super excited for the Mets fans to watch this guy pitch because it's very unorthodox. Um, how do you feel about it being a Mets fan and, and getting this trade? Yeah, I mean, we obviously haven't seen much of him because he pitches in the AOS. We don't catch a lot of those games. They usually come on at uh, 10 p.m. for us. But, you know, just going through the film study and checking out what Bassett has to offer. Definitely, I think your description of him as the most left-handed right-hander is a perfect (laughs) description just because of how funky he is. He has a lot to offer here. The one thing that I that I really like about Bassett is that he pitches to a lot of soft contact, and I think that's a really good recipe for the solid Mets defense that's going to be behind him. He is a fly ball pitcher, but so are a lot of the relievers that we have in our bullpen, and that's why so many of our guys thrive at home. Because City Field, even though they move the fences in, is still a pretty cavernous ballpark to hit in. Uh, another great thing is he was top 25 in MLB for uh, walk per nine, so not a lot of free bases when Bassett's on the mound. I just think it's an all-around great addition, a perfect foil to what uh, Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer offer, which is, you know, ace-like numbers, high strikeout numbers. Chris Bassett is the perfect sort of contrast to those guys while still being similarly effective. 
Yeah, he's he's more Scherzer than DeGrom. I picture DeGrom as this like beautiful piece of poetry. And I picture Scherzer as even though it's very precise, he's more grunt and power than execution. He'll challenge you down the middle. Like Bassett's the same way. He'll throw, like you said, he fills the zone up. He doesn't walk many guys, but he also he'll he hit 11 guys last year. He hit 13 in 2019. Like he doesn't walk many, but he'll let things go. Yep. He throws like DeGrom is all power. It's coming at you and at the top of the zone at a hundred Scherzer mixes it in, but then you have Chris Bassett. He's coming in his delivery. He throws like a weird arm slot, his glove side, like almost drags on the ground. It's like this unorthodox throw. And then he throws six different pitches and he throws them at all different speeds. He'll throw a 70 mile an hour curveball, which you know I love. Of course. And then he'll throw a 96 mile an hour fastball or a 90 mile an hour two seamer or a changeup or a cutter or the slider. Like I was looking at his baseball savant page that breaks down everything at the cellular level. And even they have his pitches mixed up. Like I was watching some of the video and they mark it down as a slider, but like, like myself, he would take some angle off of his curveball turn it into a little bit of a sweeper, add some speed. Like he just manipulates the baseball. And so a hitter has no idea what's coming. Like with the Grom, they're ready for a hundred. They're ready to go. Cause everything's going to be fast with, with a guy like, like Bassett, there's no comfort. They're just like, I have no idea what to prepare for. So it's a, it's a wonderful contrast to have. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, we talked before about him being the uh, left-handed right-hander. He was he was tougher on lefties last year than he was against righties. Against lefties, a 196 batting average against, 612 OPS against. Righties batted 238 with a 639 there. So, I mean, Bassett, you know, you mentioned the different arm slots and the different pitches and the different speeds. It's almost impossible to tell what he's going to throw you. At the same time, Bassett isn't really the guy you think of as like an overpowering pitcher. And I think that's perfectly okay. And we talked in the Cookie Carrasco and Taiwan Walker episodes about how Bassett's addition just extends the rotation and creates more opportunity for these Mets starters while also, you know, maintaining that competitive nature. We'll have episodes on Tyler McGill and David Peterson later on, but Chris Bassett changes the entire outlook of this Mets rotation and really legitimizes them a bit more and makes them less top heavy, which I think is the best part of him being a part of our team now. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned his splits last year. Those are his career splits too. He's harder on lefties than righties, but righties don't have that great of a time either. Um, But he's definitely gotten better. He's going to be 33 this year. So he's not like this really young guy that we're getting. He's he's, this is his, prime couple of years right now um let's hope he stays on the field and stays healthy and and the Mets fans get to see him at his best so that's what I'm expecting um let's see what what Steamer's uh expecting from him yeah so Steamer is projecting a similar year a little bit inflated on the ERA here but they project him to go 183 innings pitched over 31 games started which is definitely encouraging for Mets fans because we have a lot of these guys that really tailed off towards the end of the season and Bassett is Something of a workhorse in the modern MLB landscape. Obviously, that definition has changed over time, but a 4.09 ERA, a 1.23 whip, 8.6 K per nine, and that walk per nine stays low at 2.6. I think if Bassett lines up with this projection, you take that as a full on success because that's so much longevity for the Mets rotation, so much breathing room that you just didn't have before with the, the old outlook there. And another thing I didn't get to mention before is that Bassett, even though he plays to a lot of contact, was great with runners in scoring position last year, a 177 batting average against and 542 OPS. So he doesn't sweat under pressure. He's a pitch to contact kind of guy. But with this 
stellar Mets defense that we have behind him now, I'm feeling really comfortable with how he's going to fare uh, in New York next season. I I agree, man. I think he is at his peak right now um, from a skill level, and I think him pitching and being alongside DeGrom and Scherzer is going to do nothing but benefit him. Um, sometimes it's nice to get a fresh voice in your head with Hefner. Like sometimes the, the little tweaks, you're, you're going to learn something about yourself um, just from hearing a different voice. Like uh, Scott Emerson, Emo, their pitching coach out in Oakland is wonderful. Uh, he was originally with the White Sox, came over, but really blossomed with the A's. And now he's just, now he's going to hear something different. And that might elevate him a little bit. He's going to start tinkering in a different way. It's just like a, an awesome environment to be in. I'm like really excited for him as a player, like to, to watch him kind of soak in all these new thoughts and, and new information. He's still going to be the same pitcher that he was, but there's always room for improvement. You're always tinkering. Um, I use the old adage, you're, every day as a pitcher, you're either getting better or you're getting worse because you're either enhancing your new uh, or enhancing your current uh, habits or you're developing bad habits and reinforcing those because throwing is so, so much muscle memory involved. And so for him to go in and just pick the brains of some of the, the brightest minds in baseball, like it's going to be fun for him. Yeah. And you mentioned that Emo uh, first started with the White Sox. So did Chris Bassett. I mean, Chris Bassett didn't come up until he was 25 years old, which is considered a, a late age for a lot of MLB players. Only started five games that year. I mean, he really had a tough road to get to where he is. He got 13 games started with the A's in 15, only started five games in 16, missed all of 2017, only started seven games in 2018. It's it's only recently in the past couple of years that Chris Bassett became the full-on reliable rotation starter. He had a great 2020 season with 11 games started, but like you said, missed time at the end of last season. And looking at the uh, looking at the numbers here, made he, uh, he made 22 starts from April to July, but only five starts in the last two months of the season. Obviously, that's sort of a freak injury. That's something that Bassett couldn't really control. But like you said before, the his speed and recovery was incredible. And I think that's like, you know, obviously it's a health thing, but it's also a mentality thing. You kind of have to be a, a bulldog in that sense to really make it back. And I think that, you know, those ace players, they were passionate about that team. And I think Bassett wanted to be out there pitching as much as he could for, uh, for them down the stretch. And that's the kind of guy that you want, not only on your team, but in your starting rotation for sure. In 2019, I was with the A's in spring training. Um, and we went to Japan, opened the season there against the Mariners. I, he took a line drive off the shin and then missed some time because of it. I, I just remember how hard it was. And he tried to like stay in the game. I'm like, dude, you probably broke your leg. He didn't actually break his leg. It was like just this great major contusion. But his mentality of like, all right, I can, I can do this. I'm fine. And then it was obviously the best move for him to get out. But he deals with things. He handles it well. He handles himself like a true pro. He's not a babied, you know, first round bonus baby that that gets, you know, uh, a bad hangnail and then misses, you know, three starts because his, you know, he doesn't feel a hundred percent. This guy just, right. he's a ball player, like a dirt on your uniform, you know, old school kind of Mets style player that that's going to go out there, be gritty, going to grind it out. He just also happens to be really good at, at pitching. 
Yeah, I think that he's going to be a fan favorite for some of the older fans that love that, you know, true grit there. And like you said, like he had to claw his way to get here. He was a 16th round draft pick and it took him five years to get through the minor leagues. I mean, this guy has been through it all. And I think that like we might have not seen the best of Chris Bassett yet. He's turning 33 this year, but like we've only really gotten to see him these past three years, like really come into his own. And I'm excited for Mets fans to, to get to witness this guy. Now, I mean, as it stands right now, Bassett is not extended. He's only here for one year. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that later. But I think even if you just get the one year out of Bassett, I mean, this is very, very valuable to the Mets team right now. It goes a long way here. And, you know, last year was the only year that he ever threw over 150 innings. And, you know, this projection has him at 180, so that would be a new career high for him by far. I'm hoping that comes to fruition because I think the Mets could really use it. But like I said before, now we have seven starters on this depth chart, all of them major league ready and major league capable. But Bassett in the middle is just the perfect foil for both ends. And I'm, I'm just so excited to see him pitch to kick off the season. And uh, today is March 24th. Today will be his first spring training start. So we'll get to see our, our first licks in. Hey, yeah, pretty that's cool. great, man. Yeah, pretty like cool. uh, I wasn't I didn't think the Mets needed to add anything to the rotation because I love the top two, obviously. And then yep. you had Taiwan Cookie, Tyler McGill, you had Peterson. We I thought we need a little more depth. But if you add a guy of this caliber, Hard to argue with. You know, there was uh, Kershaw talk, but Kershaw's uh, an injury risk. You know, there's there's some question marks there. This guy's not that caliber of injury risk, you know, knock on wood. He threw 157 innings last year. If we get that, it's a win because, you know, we're expecting more than that because he's he's coming into his own now and he's coming off of a build-up year. Um, that would be wonderful, but again – this is the kind of guy that you would you you're gonna really enjoy watching so yeah i think that like the 200 inning starter guy is just not as common as it used to be i don't yeah. i don't think you can rely on those guys to throw uh, that many innings anymore you don't need it anymore you have right. so much talent you know i was looking back at at like some of jim palmer's numbers when when uh they were talking about like his cy young days and nolan ryan mm-hmm. those guys threw 300 innings you Crazy. know what i mean that and that was commonplace. Then you look back in, in Koufax, and they just there just wasn't as deep of talent in the game back then. The bullpens are more reliable, top to bottom. The the fifth, sixth starters are a little bit more, and you don't. And the numbers say that you don't need that many. You're better if you don't throw that many. So the game's evolved, and so if you get 160 innings out of your number three starter, and if your number three starter is like a possible all star, like this is a great a great point to start at in, in your season. That's actually an interesting point. There's a real possibility that the Mets one through three starters could all be all-stars this year and all get Cy Young votes. And I think that's so freaking cool. Ooh, foreshadowing. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it. Well, all right, should we do our over-unders now? I think it's time. I think so. So I'll, I'll start off because you kind of hinted towards it. So I wanted to do something fun, and I was thinking about hit-by-pitches because the dude just plunks people. Love that's it. That's the attitude that I was talking about. And and – I think more guys need to pitch inside and, and, and own that. He's not afraid to hit somebody. Uh, I was going to make that double digits, but I didn't want to do that. What I wanted to do was talk about what you mentioned, and that's Cy Young voting. Mm. And I feel so strongly about Chris Bassett's effectiveness. He is not Jacob deGrom. Nobody on the planet is. Max Scherzer is right behind him, and he, even he's another stratosphere above. But – I believe that Chris Bassett is in the top 10 in the National League. And that's saying a lot. That is 
Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns, Walker Bueller, Dustin May, like all these amazing starters. I wanted to put the over under on top 10 in the Cy Young. So 10.5 in Cy Young voting. Will he get in the top 10? I think this is my favorite over under that you've done so far. And I'm very happy because mine is also not stat based. I think this is going to be like a fun end to the show here. I don't think Bassett cracks the top 10. I do think he gets votes, especially if he pitches the full season. And I do think like the National League, uh, similar to the, how the Mets rotation was, is very top heavy and like the very starters of the league. I think he gets votes for sure. I don't think he gets top 10, but I will be a very happy guy if I'm wrong here. So I'll take the under. Nice. I, I, I like that because that is still quality, but this is why I put that mark there. I mean, I, I, Max Fried and Soroka, like Charlie Morton, you have so many, Sandy Alcantara, like you have tons of talent, a lot of young, a lot of old. I do believe he gets some top 10. I finishes in the top 10 in the Cy Young. I'm going to take the over on that or the under. Which one is that? I guess you would take the under. I would take the over because I'm taking the larger number. Yeah, but the okay. over, I don't know. Technically, <laughs> I think... <laughs> It's is this a golf thing where the lower score is better? I think it's a golf thing. I think it's okay. Well, I'm going to say that he is finishes in the top 10 in Cy Young. I just really love it. I love the fit. I love the fact that the biggest contributor is that these hitters haven't really seen him. Yeah. And that is a huge advantage for a pitcher, especially one that's as unorthodox and funky as Chris Bassett, because you can't replicate seeing it. Like there's picture perfect mechanics that you can kind of simulate. You can't simulate the the funkiness that Chris Bassett brings. And I think that's a big advantage. Uh, So I will take the top 10 in the Cy Young for Chris Bassett. Yeah, I'm glad that you took the uh, the positive route there because, you know, that's a big over-under to pose. You got to back it up. So I respect that. And I also liked what you said about never facing NL East teams. He's never pitched in an NL East ballpark, never faced an NL East team. So they're facing an entirely new beast here. Yeah, man, it's 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 all points. It's a positive. Everything's positive for him. Um, he was the ace of the ace staff, the the guy that just stepped up. He doesn't have to be that anymore, but his mentality is he thinks and believes that he is of the same caliber as these guys, and he's going to push himself to do that, which is the mentality that you need. He's humble, but he's confident, which is a great combo. So again, I am. Really, really excited for the Mets fans to see this guy. He is an amazing personality. Uh, so he's going to be accessible to the fans. He's a girl dad. People love, like, he's just a, love a girl like, dad. Uh, awesome dude. So uh, I'm, I'm super excited to watch him pitch on a regular basis. I watch the A's as much as possible. I love Oakland. Um, I still have ties there. Um, so I got to see him a lot. And I'm really excited for, for the Mets fans to get to watch him every fifth day. So here's what I got for you. And this one is a bit unorthodox. We haven't done anything like it before. And it's not directly in Bassett's control, if that makes sense. Okay. As I mentioned before, Bassett is currently on a one-year deal with the Mets right now. So my question to you, my over-under is one year. Will Bassett get extended by the Mets? Will he get a new deal? Or will the Mets ride out the contract and let him hit free agency? Oh, my gosh. Will they extend him before he hits free agency? Or will he pitch or will they resign him when he hits the the market? Like there's a couple different avenues here. So I'm interested to see what you think. That's interesting. What what would we trade for him? We gave up Adam Aller and we gave up JT Ginn. So two starting pitcher prospects. So 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> I can go first if you want. I know I you go first. Right I'm going to think yeah. about it. You go first on, on one season in, in the Mets uniform. Yep. Or if, yeah. I'm going to take the over here and I'm glad that you mentioned the, uh, the trade package that was sent over. I think the Mets know exactly what they're doing, giving up starting pitcher prospects because they're trying to lock down a guy like Chris Bassett because they have Scherzer for two more years after the season. DeGrom is also set to hit the market as well. So I think the Mets next spending spree is going to be very pitcher centered. I think it's going to be involving uh, re-signing Jacob DeGrom and both Chris Bassett. I have no idea what that deal will look like, but I don't think you make this kind of trade where you give up that future starting pitcher depth if you don't have a plan to keep Bassett on long-term. So I'm taking the over here. I think I'm going to take the over as well uh, for a couple of reasons. Um, one being he's older. He's like I said, he's going to be 33. So they can they can offer him a qualifying offer and he could take it because he wants to win. He's he wants to you know, he's got a family and things to, to think about as far as finances go. But a qualifying offer will help you do that. And again, with his advanced age, it's not like he's facing an eight year deal out there. Um and it's enticing. Uh, I think he's going to love New York. I think he's going to love pitching on the East Coast. Um, he now lives in one of the Carolinas with with his wife and, and daughter. That's where her family's from. I think he's just going to enjoy the process of, of play, pitching in New York, being a Met, seeing the fans and the, the vigor. The A's fans are great, but it's, it's different, and it's going to be exciting and new. I think he's going to love it. So I think he's going to want to come back, and that's going to be – a major factor. So I'm going to take the over here too. I loved our over-unders today. I thought we crushed that. They were fun. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it. We need to tabulate. I want to get these. I want to, I want a list of what, what they are. I want to be able to Already see in the works. The list. You know, I've got, I've got my yellow legal pad here with the notes and stuff. I, I need to see it in physical form. I'll print yeah, it anything out. else. I'm going to print out that email so I can look at it. No, man, uh, I, I don't. I think we covered Bassett really well. We talked about stats and all the things. So I think we did a good job here. Bassett, welcome to New York. We're excited to see you pitch more. And thank you to our listeners for tuning into yet another PPP. We'll be back tomorrow with a new episode. As always, only seven left on our schedule before it's opening are day. We do, are we releasing these in order of recording? Is that oh, what's yeah. happening? Come okay, on. good. All right. We're a chronological oh, okay. pod. Come on. I know you're all about numbers, but thank you guys for tuning in and let's go Mets. Let's go Mets guys. We'll see you guys tomorrow.